not the penguin. I can't take credit for that. And I had just been about to give up. Someone wants to know, can you write a novella from Nicholas's POV? Please. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of That's the Butts Live, a podcast all about sucky writing. I'm Sarah Grunder Ruiz, your host, and today I'm very excited to have on the podcast my favorite author, Sarah Hogel. Sarah is the author of You Deserve Each Other, Twice Shy, and her next novel, Just Like Magic, is coming out in October. I had such a fun conversation with Sarah, and thank you, all of you, for being patient while I took my sweet time editing this episode. Sarah and I talked about Twilight, the PRH Penguin Twitter account. We read from our bad drafts, books that did not sell. Sarah reads us a Twilight-inspired story that she wrote when she was 18. And we also talk about writing and parenting, what our writing routines are like. Sarah talks about her journey to becoming a published writer. And she also answers the question, will she ever write a novella from the point of view of Nicholas from You Deserve Each Other. Stick around to find out that answer because I think it's very exciting. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that the ebook for Love, Lists, and Fancy Ships, my first novel, is currently only $1.99 until June 6th. So uh, if you haven't read that book yet and you want to and you read ebooks, I would definitely check that out. This is the lowest it will ever be. I think you're really going to love this episode. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sarah Hogel. Your hat is way cuter than mine. No. I mean, I look like a dad taking his kids to like the park for soccer or something. Which is kind of, I'm on that vibe. I'm okay with that. I'm on beach chic. I'm wearing a swimsuit cover up. Ooh, I am wearing a sweater that I may or may not have slept in last night. I'm not entirely sure. I want to be a cool dad, though. Today is really exciting because, one, my very favorite author, Sarah Hogel, is here. And two, we're going to be talking about dead drafts and reading to you some of our writing that never sold. So that's going to be fun. We were texting earlier, and I was very upset that I found my NaNoWriMo project from 2014 that we'll, we'll talk about it. But anyway, um, Sarah, is there anything that you would like to talk about, first of all, maybe related to Twilight? Like what, what team are you? I am team Edward because Edward has the money and the immortality. What can Jacob offer me, you know? <laughs> That's very true. Uh, I'm team Alice because she was the best character in my opinion in my humble opinion but it's hard now because i'm also team charlie not because he's a good dad he's a horrible dad but because of his mustache like it just has this allure that i cannot cannot resist <laughs> before we get to the bad writing everyone we have been talking about the prh penguin twitter account has as everybody know what we're talking about here if you are on publishing twitter you know i i am such an alice person um you know probably about the PRH Penguin Twitter parody account. Sarah, do you have any ideas of who the penguin is and do you have a message for the penguin? I mean, when you sent me that, like I hadn't heard about it. I just looked into it today because I've been off Twitter. I've been trying to scale back and maybe delete it soon. And it's definitely got to be somebody who works there, I think. I don't think it's an author. I think it's maybe an editor or Ooh. tricky tricky i think i think it's an author who I, uh, i'm not sure i'm gonna accuse the least likely author who would who would i think might be least likely i think it's india holton <laughs> she is the prh she's alan the prh penguin even though she is not with penguin but you know what maybe but it has to be someone She's working undercover with Simon and Schuster to take down PRH from the inside. Yes, I mean, from the outside. <laughs> the outfit is at the outside. I think that it's me, um, but I'm hiding it from myself. It could be you. It I could, could be. I was scrolling through the I mean, it could be you. 
I think it could be you. I mean, have you seen the PRH penguin tweet at the same time that Sarah Hogle has tweeted? You have not. It could be a penguin. We don't know. <laughs> Sarah, um, someone is asking what you use on your skin because it's always so flawless. I don't go outside. <laughs> Honestly, same. I think that's a, a, a good a good strategy. It avoids skin cancer. All right. So let's start talking about writing. And I would love to know a little bit about your writing journey because I actually don't know a lot about this. Um, when did you start writing? Was you deserve each other your first book? Like, how'd you find your agent, submission, all of that? I would love to hear. Well, it's a long and convoluted story. <laughs> I've been writing since I was 18, 14 years ago. And You Deserve Each Other was far from my first book. <laughs> Maisie just texted, I'm now fully convinced you're the penguin. <laughs> She's the penguin, everyone. You heard it here. <laughs> now everyone's going to be, we're going to be spreading rumors. Everyone's going to think you're the penguin. I am not the penguin. I can't take credit for that, but... <laughs> I want to know who it is. Penguin, if you're watching, I want to know who you are. Yeah. If you're uh, watching Penguin, just uh, DM me and we'll talk. I have ideas. <laughs> so what was, how many books do you have that, did you try to sell a lot of books and didn't? Or do you just have some that you wrote and just never sold? Because I you mean, didn't it, It's both. I had a habit of just writing a book and then setting it aside and then just getting into the next book and not editing them very well. Mm -hmm. But there were a lot that I did try to get published. There was one that got pretty close. I got an agent, I think 2014 or 2015. And then that agent ghosted me. And several years later, I wrote, you deserve each other. And I had just been about to give up at that point because I'd written so much and I was getting rejection after rejection after rejection. I had like, I've got like hundreds of rejections in my inbox. But when I was writing that one, I just felt like there was something a little bit different about it. I hadn't written anything more women's fiction-y until then. Mm -hmm. It was, what I called it was humorous women's fiction. I wasn't really calling it a rom-com. And I wrote that in about a month and then I sent it out to a whole bunch of agents. And I just thought, you know, you're gonna hear no because I've always been hearing no. And then I got a yes, and then I got like four more yeses. And it was really, really weird for me and like uncomfortably bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> and I got my publishing deal and it still feels weird. Yeah, I, I can relate to the, the weirdness, especially I think as authors, when you're on this side of it, it you just have a bunch of other problems. And it can be easy to forget that like, oh, once upon a time, I never thought I might be here. I almost gave up. Um, so you wrote, you deserve each other in a month. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you have a lot of big revisions on that book or did it just like come out of you? Um, there were small revisions, but not really many big ones. That's really the only book I've ever written that was pretty well formed while I was writing it, and I didn't have to go back and make major changes. Just yeah. some small ones, because Nicholas was a little bit intense. <laughs> More intense? Yeah, so we had to scale him back a little bit. But other than that, I mean, it's pretty much, I can't really remember anything else. Yeah. What about you then? Oh, let's see. Well, I have my book that didn't sell, which I was reading earlier and I was actually like, okay, this book is better than I remember it being. But I, I know why it didn't sell. It didn't, it just wasn't really marketable. And there's things I would, I found myself like, ooh, how would I edit this? And I was like, don't, Sarah, you have a book, right? <laughs> um, and then all my books require like major revisions. So I rewrote 80% of the second draft of Loveless and Fancy Ships, because um, Shitty Peter was still a character throughout the whole book. He was the worst. Uh, Lock and Last Resorts definitely rewrote at least 50% of that one. Last Cult the Local is a little different because I am kind of revising chapter by chapter as I go. So that one's been a lot slower. I'm only half done-ish. Um, and someone actually uh, wanted to ask you, do you revise as you go or do you draft and then revise? I revise as I go. Yeah. 
I think it's easier the more books you have under your belt to do that because you can anticipate kind of the bigger problems before you have a whole draft anyway. Are you a plotter or a pantser? I am a mixture of both. I start off with pretty vague ideas. And then once I'm about halfway finished with a book, I make a chapter outline. But I don't yeah. do a chapter outline for the first half of the book. I don't know why. Sometimes you just need the vibes before yeah. the book. Get the vibes. I figure out where I'm going. Yeah, I feel like, I know Alexa Dunn calls it, like, discovery writing. I don't know if she came up with it. That's just where I heard it. So I kind of do a mix of both. I do, like, a beat sheet and a pitch, and then I will write. But the, the beat sheet and the pitch are very flexible, and they change as I figure out what is good or bad or not good. Um, what I want to ask you. All right. Um, are we ready to talk about some of our bad writing. I can go first if you want me to go first. I would love to hear yours. I want to hear more about the guinea pig. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Um, we were kind of sending each other little snippets of our bad writing. I have a short, um, it's actually a nonfiction piece. It is a short story. It's flash fiction. It's like 800 words. It's called How to, Gar How to Bury a Guinea Pig in 10 Steps. <laughs> Um, I won't read the whole thing, but I will read um, number nine, which is bad. So it's, this is about the time my guinea pig died when I was in college. And we just went to Petco in a blizzard, bought a guinea pig, me and my now husband. He named it Zucky after Mark Zuckerberg because no. the social network had just come out. Um, and it died like two days later. It was very depressing. So... Uh, nine. This is really bad writing. Prepare for the burial of your dead guinea pig. Scavenge through your dorm room and find a fork stolen from the cafeteria in a can of planter's peanuts. Empty the peanut can and squish his body into it. <laughs> Gather in a solemn procession with your friends and go to the fens at midnight. Dig into the frozen earth with a stolen fork, but give up. <laughs> Cover the can with snow in autumn's last leaves. Listen to the parties nearby as you and your friends dispose of Zucky's body along the same <laughs> river Whitey Bulger dumped his victims. <laughs> I thought that was really great. <laughs> I submitted it to like my fiction MFA workshop too, just because I ran out of things to send. It was, no one had anything to say about it, honestly. All right, it, it's your turn. What do you got for us? <laughs> okay, I've got, when I was, 18, I wrote my first book. It's a Twilight ripoff. It's called My Eternal. And I printed it all out and put it in page protected sleep. Page? That's a lot of page protected sleep. How many yeah. words is it? It's 88,000 words. <laughs> how many page how much how many page protectors do you have? It is like 320 something. Wow, that is a lot. Oh, okay, Sarah, let's hear some of my eternal. Okay, well, for some background, the main character's name is, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Ophelia. It's like Ophelia, but it ends in E, Ophelia. And she's a teenage girl, and she moves to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. And when she gets up there, first she meets a guy who's not the love interest because he's really boring. But most importantly, before the book begins, it starts with Annabelle Lee by that girl. Go. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why it not? Point to it. But this girl has been alive three different times, and she dies and reincarnates. And this guy is her soulmate, and he keeps watching her die. And she meets this guy. I got tabs here. And to describe her, I had ivory skin, raven black hair, and dark eyes with long eyelashes. My lips were round and full, and my figure was slender like mom's had been. I never thought of myself as commonly pretty with my zero collection of past boyfriends. 
She's not pretty. <laughs> We're skipping ahead here to where she meets the guy, and he's really broody. She says, I'm Ellie, because nobody calls her by her real name. She goes by Ellie. I just moved here. He paused for a long time before answering, it is not my intention to be friendly. He stated slowly, I froze in place. What? I don't want to be friends with you. Sighs for stone. His speech distinct and mechanical. So he's not having it because he's just going to watch her die again. Yeah, he doesn't want to go through this trauma once more. <laughs> so, skipping a couple hundred pages. A couple hundred pages. She's going to the dance with the boring guy. And... Yeah. Robbie, that's the boring guy, bent down on one knee. They're at a school dance. They're 16 years old. I know we are young. He squeaked, his eyes rolling back into his head as a silver ring slipped from his grasp. The muscles in his face gave way as he sputtered, sputtered incoherently, and then Robbie Holloway keeled over and fainted on the cafeteria floor. So he proposed marriage, and then he fainted. And then after that, she drives him home, but they go, it like it starts a freak snowstorm, and they go over a guardrail into a frozen lake, and then she goes into a coma. And that's my book. <laughs> wow. So did, what did you, when you finished this book, what did you do with it? Is this one of the ones you were like, goodbye? I did not edit it at all, immediately started querying it. <laughs> and you know how, um... You can attach sample chapters. Yeah. I did like the last three chapters. Because <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to. I had some really lovely responses from super patient agents who were, were like. Any of them, do you remember if you requeried any of them later? Oh, probably. Like, I've queried every agent that there is, I think. <laughs> I know, so with the next one that I have, which is a science fiction time travel dystopia about a college student. Her name is Galaxy Day, <laughs> but she goes by Alex because no. she is cool. Um, it's called The Future Was because I'm being clever talking about the future in past tense. Um, this was written in 2014, and I am ashamed of that, but at least it's here for our amusement. Anyway, I definitely sent a query letter for this. Just one! I don't know what it said, or what I attached. I never heard back for very good reasons. Um, chapter one, known. <laughs> like, no, what's known? I, I don't know. Uh, okay, this is very, so basically, Galaxy Day is sitting in her apartment and her phone's ringing and she has a bunch of tools around because she's building a time machine as one does no. and she gets a phone call from her best friend Juliana. <clears throat> okay let's see. The phone rang again and Alex grimaced. The face of Juliana, her best friend, smiled across the screen. Alex had known Julie because everyone has to have a nickname since she was a little girl. If she called more than once, that meant it was a real bona fide emergency. <laughs> Dropping her tools back on the floor, Alex slid off her gloves and put the phone to her ear. Yes? Allie? Julie's phone echoed tensely over the line. <laughs> Julie's phone? I don't know. Julie? Alex replied coolly. Are you all right? When are you coming home? Something was clearly not right. Alex had never heard Juliana, a girl with a personality to mount her bouncy brown curls, ever sound worried about anything more serious than a report card or an impending parent-teacher conference. I'm not supposed to come home until Thanksgiving. You know that. Do you need me to come home earlier? A long silence remained on the line. <laughs> Julie, your parents didn't call you, did they? You know I don't talk to my parents often, Juliana. Why would they call me? Oh, shit, 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 Juliana wailed in distress. Alex stood up from the floor, alarmed. What's going on? Are you sitting down? Yes, Alex said, immediately returning to her spot on the floor once more. I don't want to be the one to tell you this. Oh, Allie, 
I can't believe they haven't called you. Please no. just get out. It's Mr. Wolfram. Juliana said steadily. Oh, I did not say that steadily. He passed away yesterday. <laughs> Alex couldn't speak. A thousand thoughts exploded in her mind at the same time. She was glad Julie had told her to sit. She felt faint enough on the floor. No need for a concussion. And basically, I can't remember the plot of this at all. Uh, she does go to the future, but at the end, the twist is I think that Mr. Wolfram is from the future. It's her, her son from the future or so, something. <laughs> I don't even, he, he was like her, like, mentor. I'm not sure, but I feel like I need to get to generic. <laughs> so when Alex goes to the future, she meets people, I guess. I don't really understand this, but there is, I just had to, I was scrolling through it. And I just had to stop when I saw this name. So in the future, there's someone named Marl and there's someone named Jaderic. It is spelled J-D-E-R-I-C-K. Sometimes it's spelled J-D-E-R-R-I-K. I'm not really sure, but I have this passage where I think Alex, they're trying to like sneak into a building and they need ID cards or something. So let's see. Um, okay, so they have some sort of plan. You stay here, Marl said before turning a corner. You'll see the open door. I'll cough when it's clear for you to come. <laughs> Great plan. Alex nodded and Marl disappeared around the corner. She heard a strange ringing and then the sliding of a door opening. What do you want? The voice at the door asked. Sorry, Jderi. Derek, I've already told you to call me just Derek, the man said. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> it's just that I really need the message file uploaded again. I accidentally deleted it. Again? Yes, Marl said quietly. I have no idea what's going on in this scene. <laughs> All right, stay here. I don't want you making a mess of things in here like last time. Derek sighed. <laughs> Alex heard footsteps fading away. And then a cough. Alex rushed form around the corner and met Marl at the door. Hurry, he mouthed at her as he pointed down a hallway. Alex rushed there, her heart beating in her chest. And they're in someone's apartment? I don't know what they're doing. They're in a, I think they're stuck in a closet and she's standing in the shower. And let's see, okay. So they're in there, Jarek, and this is Jaderic's apartment, I think. I love every time you say his name. <laughs> Who's there? Jaderic's voice <laughs> rang out from the other side of the bathroom door. Uh, Alex panicked. This wasn't part of the plan. You're the most dangerous person in the country, she had to remind herself. Oh, I think she's like a fugitive in the future. As she tripped out of the shower and reached for the door. The door swung open just as she reached for it, nearly smacking her in the face. The face of the man before her changed rapidly from anger to shock. Well, this is easy, Alex thought. Dig deep. Jaderic, she said in her iciest voice. Jaderic, Jaderic, Jaderic. She steeped around him and circled him a little bit. The man was frozen in fear and Alex swelled with confidence. You have something I need and I will have it unless you want What's her name? Merrily, his girlfriend. Unless you want her to disappear. <laughs> I won't read anymore, but my favorite's Jaderic, Jaderic, Jaderic. Jaderic. <laughs> oh, God. Do you have any other bad writing you would like to share? Not on me. There's a lot of it. <laughs> I think I... Did you write a lot of, did you write any actual fan fiction? Oh, yeah. I used to write a whole bunch of Harry Potter fan fiction back I in the day. was never a fan fiction writer. I don't know why. I feel like it would have been right up my alley. I have one more. Oh, yes. It's still the same book. <laughs> oh, perfect. I really need to know what happens. Okay. We'll, we have his POV here. <gasps> Yes. His really broody POV. 
Okay. Loathing pulsed in my clenched fists. I glared at myself in the starlit lake water, the place that was supposed to clear my mind of her. You are a coward! I thundered at the reflection, who only returned the rippling glare. These are precious moments. Why are you running away to save yourself? She means more to me than my sorrow, but I cannot bring myself to watch her die again. <laughs> oh, wait, he's like yelling at his reflection. That makes me think yeah. of the Lion King. He's alone by a lake just being mad at himself. <laughs> I mean, like, mood. Um, my, let's see, I, I can't read probably stuff from all of these, but I have a, so after my first book didn't sell, I wrote 100 pages of a book about a, which is, my mom actually texted me about this book the other day because of the baby formula shortage. I wrote a book about a black market baby formula ring, um, which is a real thing. I got it from a news story. Um, I wrote 100 pages of it, and my agent was like, no. And I was like, yeah, actually, I hate this. Um, I think that one was just depressing. Oh, no, this, that's the one where they're talking about boobs and potty training. I don't know. They're two moms. They're stay-at-home moms who get into this, like, black market formula ring. I sent this to my agent. Why? But then, when I was done, I panicked, and I immediately sent her a chapter of a book about a bunch of moms who form a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. It uh, was a thing. Um, and the rock band was called Goldfish because they had a bunch of goldfish crackers smashed in their car. <laughs> and that. I don't have any lines from it, but that, that, that was a thing. Yeah, so when you're starting something new, do you ever worry about whether or not it's any good? And if so, how do you deal with that? Or do you just not worry about that? Well, when I am initially writing, it's all vibes. I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then as soon as I'm finished with it, I'm like, but maybe it sucked. So I second guess everything as soon as I'm done. And then I'm like, well, what if I just rewrote the whole book? Do you do a lot of like big rewriting? Or do you just panic and then you're like, oh, wait, it's not actually trash. I, it depends on the book. <laughs> like Twice Shy was basically a rewrite. Just like Magic just little bits and pieces of it like um i know you've read that so good y'all if you have not pre-ordered just like magic i don't know what you're doing with your life because i was just sitting here like and i read it in december i think i, I got to read it during the holiday i was just like laughing aloud just like cackling wildly and reading parts aloud to my husband and he's like are you okay and i'm like no not, be quiet he always barks he's gonna um so what does your, okay, then do you get nervous when your book comes out? Do you read, do you, how do you, do you do reviews? I cannot read them anymore, but I did make the mistake of looking today. I should not have done it. Don't do that. I know. I have never looked at reviews. Even sometimes when I'm tagged in something, I won't look at it. Like, even if it says five stars, I just, it feels weird and it feels like that's not in my space to go in and reading about myself third person-y like Sarah Hogle's book I'm like that's me this is really really weird you know yeah read I don't like that don't read it just buy it you know give me money <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you read my book just buy it please that would be nice it's so I never read reviews I wish I had any sort of impulse control for me it's like dopamine hit it's like a gamble like am i gonna get punched in the gut or am i gonna be like yes i'm a genius do you have any like anything that you had to like cut from a book or a scene that you wish you could have kept in or is there something that made it to the final draft and you're like how did i i mean i feel like the whole book just like magic i'm like how did you get this to how did you get past like how did you get this book published it is the most ridiculous book I've ever read in the best way possible. That book originally opened with Betty in jail. She in had been, jail? She had been punched in the face on Black Friday over, like, 
a wooden recipe box or something that she was fighting some lady over, so she got a lifetime ban from Macy's. And then my editor's like, there would not be a Macy's in this really tiny town. <laughs> so <laughs> I rewrote that, and I like it much better now. I love the opening chapter, and what I really like about this book is, and, you know, also with You Deserve Each Other, is that when I first started, I'm like, how is Sarah going to get me to root for this couple? Like, how? There's no way. But you always do, and by the end, I'm like, they're so mates. I love, they're my OTP. I love them. Um, and I love that your editor was like, there wouldn't be a Macy's in this small town, but also, you can't conjure a literal spirit by playing a record of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You Backwards. <laughs> it's funny how logic works in books. I mean, I haven't tried it, so we'll, we'll see. You should try it. It's like a seance, but for Christmas. Yeah. I just have to wait till it gets to, I think it was, it has to be the number one hit on Billboard top 100 or something. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, there were conditions for how it yeah. worked that were very specific. I thought it was great. I loved the whole thing. Was there, are there any, like, specific details that you were like, um, yes, I got, I got this through. Bill O'Reilly is a lizard. Yes. <laughs> oh, that got through. I love that you, did you get any pushback on that or did it, were, were you, we were just, it went by. My editor was like, I, I strongly cautioned against this and I just really wanted to keep it in. But there was a lot of stuff that I was very surprised. The whole thing, really. Like, <laughs> but when I pitched this, I was like, I will probably end up self-publishing this one. I don't see anybody buying it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> it is amazing. I'm so glad that they did. And the cover is gorgeous. And I can't wait to just like have it on my shelf. I'm gonna read it every Christmas. Like it's gonna, it's a Christmas classic to me. I, I love it. Okay, let's talk about writing and parenting because you have like what three children? Yes, right now because otherwise they would be right here. <laughs> They're how are how old? Twelve, five, and two. Twelve, five, and two. That is an interesting spread of ages with all different problems and challenges. Yes. <laughs> So when do you write? Well, when I get into a book, I just write as fast as I can for like a month. And that way I can, you know, take several months off and be a little bit more present as a mom. But at night, mostly. Yeah. You're a night writer. Oh, I could never do it at night. That's when my brain works. When I try to write in morning or afternoon, it just comes out like sludge. It just sucks. My brain is so dumb until the sun goes down and it's like, okay, I can work now. See, I'm the opposite. I am, but I'm, I'm, I'm a morning person. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, but I like that I'm still like waking up. So my brain is just like, yes, let's just, let's just write without worrying. Um, Cause Otherwise, I feel like this weight on me, like you didn't write yet today, you didn't write yet today. And then by the end of the day, I'm just like, I just want to lay down and do nothing. I wake up at 5.30 now. It used to be 5 a.m. Um, now that it's summer and I'm not teaching, it's not as, I don't really have to write in the morning that early so much, especially when my kids are still in school, because then I can write throughout the day. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I prefer to do it in the morning. Do you have any tips for people who are parents and want to write but aren't sure how to start? <laughs> I don't know. I always feel like I'm juggling and worrying, like, am I doing enough here or there? Like, something has got to give a little bit. And it's, you know, I don't ever want it to be the parenting part. So it's just, like, write in the spaces when you can. And I think it definitely helps if what you're writing is exciting to you. Like if you go to write a chapter and you're like, ah, uh, I'm not really excited about this one. I wish I was doing a different one. Then change it to make it more exciting for you. Because if you're amusing yourself and you're having fun, I think the words will come out a lot faster. I think that's a great tip. And that's something that I think, so I haven't really been drafting this week because I've been kind of stuck and I'm not excited to write what I'm supposed to write. And now I just, if I'm not excited about it, I don't write it. I'm like, okay, I need a thinking break. Um, 
but I, and I think that's especially important for parents when you have such limited time to write, like you might as well enjoy it, number one. And I think to, I think there's a lot of guilt when you're a writer with your kids around, um, like, where am I supposed to be? I could be doing everyone's laundry or I could be writing. And it's like, okay, which hard thing am I going to do? It's always gonna be writing for me. It's never gonna be laundry. <laughs> Has your writing changed, like your writing life changed since having kids? It's definitely harder now, especially since my youngest, like the past two weeks, she's leaned really hard into the terrible twos. Mm. Like she's a lot and she doesn't like it when I go to sit at my desk I'm out in the living room so I can be you know mom on duty and I can write and she comes over and she just pulls my chair all the time so I'm facing away from it <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't want me to write have you written in strange places I know as a mom I have written in strange places I move around a lot sometimes it's in bed sometimes on the couch Sometimes yeah. I'll go upstairs and sit on my son's bed and I'll write up there. Yeah, I think I've written in the carpool line. That was, that's been fun. I have written, once I had to escape my house during the pandemic, I parked in a like Starbucks parking lot and I just opened the back of my car and I was just sitting in the back of my car typing. <laughs> I have never written outside of home. I don't know how people can write in coffee shops and stuff like that. It would be way too distracting, I would think. I like the background noise, but I think because I'm a severe extrovert that I being around people kind of like, it's like a white noise machine to me. Taco Bell parking lot. Sarah Adler says she, I think she's saying she's written in a Taco Bell parking lot. It just says Taco Bell parking lot. <laughs> I know some people say they can't write when their kids are around, but you can. If I have headphones on, like I can't write. If my kids are in the room, I can't write if I don't have headphones on because they're always really loud and I've always got someone coming over me and be like, what, looking for a toy or wanting a sandwich or something. Snap. So if my husband is at home and he's the one on duty, then I just put on my headphones and it's like, I don't see you. I can't yeah. hear you. I'm writing my book. Go ask yeah, me that's, that. that's kind of what we do. Um, if my husband's home and he's on like kid duty, I have the headphones in. Sometimes I'll go upstairs. Sometimes I can sit down here. Um, it, but if the kids are around, I still write sometimes. I just don't have my headphones in. And usually they know not, if they're busy, they won't bother me. But some days all they want is a snack every five minutes. And I'm like, you don't eat when it's mealtime. Why do you want a snack now? <laughs> I'm going to be gushing about this book until it comes out and forever afterwards. Like I said, you need to pre-order it if you haven't. Um, but I would love for you to tell all of us about this magical book. Okay. Just Like Magic is my third book, and it is about Betty, a young woman. She is a C-list celebrity, and she's not very popular right now with the people. And she drunkenly plays Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You on vinyl backwards, and it summons the holiday spirit which in this case is a man named Paul and he's really fun <clears throat> and she needs to go to her grandparents house like she does every Christmas but she's worried about saving face she's really broke how is she going to get all these gifts so she's like well I'm gonna use his magic I'm gonna abuse his magic and manifest everything that I want and he's gonna make me look really good so she goes to her grandparents house with Paul and he tries to make her a better person while she tries to get stuff out of him. It's so good. How did you come up with this idea? I was half asleep. <laughs> I just, I woke up one day and I sat up in bed and literally it just popped into my head. I said, he's the holiday spirit. And then I paused and I'm like, and she summons him through a record. And then I went to go tweet it. But then I thought, I could actually write this because it was just going to be a joke that I tweeted about. Yeah. I was like, really dumb, ha ha ha. But I thought, well, I could do it. I'm so. so glad that you did do it. So I've noticed in all of your books that there's a lot of love for the holidays. Do you really love the holidays? I love the holidays. I'm okay. extremely basic. My personality around the holidays 
is the holidays. I love it. Because I had just reread You Deserve Each Other and Twice Shy, and obviously, you know, Just Like Magic is a holiday book, I was like, wait a minute. They all are really into, like, Christmas and holidays and stuff. Like, Naomi and Maybell, maybe not Betty at first. Uh, and I was just like, I bet Sarah's one of those people who just loves the holidays. I'm a seasonal writer. Like, that's one of the first details that I establish about a book is the season comes before the plot sometimes. It's like, really? I want this spring book. I want this to be just autumn everywhere. This one will be Christmas. Do you, are you working on anything new? I'm working on one right now that is very springy. I'm excited. I'm excited <laughs> to find out more about, actually, the book I'm working on now is, well, no. I was going to say it's my first, like, winter book, but it's my first winter book in a place that's cold. I'll put it that way. Because um, Luck and Lash Resorts takes place, like, all times of year. So someone wants to know, will there be a pre-order campaign for your book? I just found out that there will be one at um, the Book Loft of German Village in Columbus, Ohio. They will do, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to sign books. So I don't have all the details on it yet, but I will be doing a pre-order campaign for that. I know that they can ship internationally, but they can only accept U.S. credit cards. We're trying to put our heads together and find a, a way for international readers to get that too, but I don't have anything right now. Okay. Whenever you know stuff, just send me the link and I will add it to like the show notes when I edit this. For Luck and Last Resorts, I will be doing a pre-order campaign through Quail Ridge Books in Raleigh. Um, so if anybody pre-orders it from there, it will be signed and I have some goodies that I will be making and will be very stressed out making, I'm sure. If you want the book personalized, like to your name, or if you want me to write like my favorite rodent, I don't know. People ask for weird things, I will do it. Um, just put what you want in the comment box. Someone wants to know, can you write a novella from Nicholas's POV? Please. <laughs> that is the question I'm asked more than any other question. Really? Um, I will not write a novella. But the plan is to write a short story collection from the other universe with both their POVs. That's the plan. Like, I want to do that. But also I have a, a lot of other stuff I need to do this year. So if it's not late this year, it'll be early 2023. Is that something you are going to try to, like, sell? Or are you planning to self-publish, just send it out? I'll just put it on my website, probably. Nice. That's a great, that, that would be really cool to have. And I definitely want to read it when it's available. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. And don't forget to pre-order Just Like Magic. It is magical and amazing. And I will see you all again in on June 1st. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Bye. And that's our episode of That's the Butts Live. Stay tuned for the next episode, which is with authors Greta Kelly and Lynn Liao Butler. And if you're hungry for more bad writing and some writing tips, make sure that you are subscribed to my newsletter. It is substack.com forward slash Sarah Grunder Ruiz. I hope you've been enjoying this series. I know that I have been enjoying hosting it. It would mean the world to me if you subscribed and left a review so that others can find out more about the sucky parts of writing. Until next time, happy writing.